Well, good morning, Liberty. Hey, we are so glad that you're in church today. I want to welcome all of our family, all of our guests at every campus, and those of you who have joined us online, whether it's missionaries or whether it's military or whether it's men and women in the correctional facilities around Virginia or uh, those who are shut in at home or maybe you're traveling and you're joining us because you can't be here, you're on the road. Wherever you are, we have prayed for you. I want you to know our prayer teams have prayed over every campus today, every seat, and we believe God's got a word for us today. Come on, put your hands together and welcome all the family. I have an announcement. Next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday, and I, I love that we, uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and that we ask you to wear your favorite team apparel next week. It doesn't have to be football. It can be basketball, NASCAR, hockey, whatever it is. And uh, just come, invite your friends to come. Tell them we're going to talk about on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, football and family and faith. And I'm excited about our guest speaker, Coach Gene Chiswick will be with us. If you have heard him on uh, television, uh, ESPNU or uh, SEC Network, uh, or if you've watched him on social media, he is a strong believer and loves the Lord, and he's going to be sharing about his faith next week. And uh, he, he's been around in that he played for Florida, and I'm not going to hold that against him, um, and graduated from Florida, then went on to Clemson, uh, assistant coach at Clemson, and graduated uh, there, uh, graduate work, went on to Iowa, to North Carolina, and at Auburn. And uh, 2004, went 13-0, won the SEC Championship and the Sugar Bowl. Then in 2010, I uh, actually won the National Championship, went 14-0. And so uh, I promise you, you're going to be blessed uh, by his testimony next week. And I want you to invite, invite, invite your friends to come next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Well, I want you right now to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ruth. It's the Old Testament Eight books into the Old Testament, you find the short little book of Ruth. And if I was going to describe Ruth as a movie, it would be a Hallmark movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, no explosions, car chases. It's not a man's movie at all. It's two women who do a lot of talking. <laughs> and they're trying to get her a man, okay? And it's a Hallmark movie if you've ever seen one. But it's about two women who have lost everything. Pastor Zach brought a powerful word from chapter one last week. And uh, I just want to remind you of the highlights. Remember, it takes place during the times of the judges. And the last verse of the last chapter of Judges says, In those days there was no king, no leader. In Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that's exactly uh, the day in which we live. So much chaos and so much confusion. And I believe the book of Ruth speaks to our time and our day. Uh, it's a, there's a famine in the land of Israel. And a family of four, husband, wife, and two sons, go to Moab. Moab is one of the ancient enemies of Israel. God told the people of Israel, don't marry a Moabite. Um, and, and the reason for that restriction was that they're not believers. In fact, they worshiped a false god called Chemosh who required child sacrifice. And anytime God gives you a restriction, it's always for your protection. Did you hear that? He's a faithful heavenly father. He gives you the same restriction in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? 
And what fellowship does light have with darkness? And so uh, even today, there's the admonition that you should not date or marry an unbeliever. Now, if you're already married to an unbeliever, don't go out and divorce them. The Bible says that you can win them through your life uh, and your testimony. So the bottom line is this family of four, they're leaving the famine. They're running uh, from the famine and they go to Moab. They, they get outside the will of God. Let me tell you something about running from your problems. Wherever you go, you take your problems with you. And so the grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence. And they go down to Moab where they're not supposed to be. And uh, the two boys marry two Moabite women. And the dad dies. And then the two boys die. And you're left with three widows. Naomi, uh, the wife uh, of Elimelech, says, I'm going to go back uh, to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to Israel. And uh, the two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, and just side note, uh, Oprah, her original name is Orpah from the book of Ruth. That's what her mom named her. Somewhere along the way, she didn't like the name, and she changed the last two letters instead of Orpah, Oprah. And it worked good for her, okay? So, I mean, hey. Um, but um, Orpah stays in Moab, and Ruth goes back to uh, Israel, to Bethlehem. Now, when Naomi goes back, listen to this. Even though she's a believer, she's bitter. And you can be a believer and be bitter. Hard times either make you better or bitter. Naomi's bitter. Ruth, it made her better. She becomes a believer. In fact, we saw last week in Ruth 1.16, she said, wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. And your people will be my people. And your God, here it is, will be my God. So she becomes a believer in the one true and living God of Israel. And so uh, the family, they're on the run and uh, they end up there and they go through these difficult times and you've got these two women who come back and they're hurting and, and, and they are homeless and they're stuck. Everybody say stuck. They're stuck in what looks to be a hopeless situation. You may feel that way today. And I just remind you, that's chapter one. We're going on to chapter two. And, and I just want you to know that God can get you out of the misery of Moab and bring you into the blessing of Bethlehem. Hallelujah. That you may be feeling like you're living in chapter one, but God will take you into chapter two. He can turn the page in your life story. And that's, in fact, the, the book of Ruth is the eighth book in the Bible. You know what the number eight is symbolic of? New beginning. New beginning. Now I want you to see this new beginning right here. Uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, we've turned the page now. We've gone on to chapter 2, and we read about the project. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing. Don't you love that phrase, a man of standing? From the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go into the field and pick the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. Let's pray. God, I'm praying right now that people will find a new beginning, that you'll turn the page in their life, that today you would take the story of Ruth and let us see ourselves in this story. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would show each one how to respond in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. First thing I want you to see is uh, Naomi tells her to go. Everybody say go. Don't sit on your blessed assurance and expect somebody to bring you a meal. She went, 
Everybody needs to work. Everybody needs a project. You got to go out there, take initiative. Uh, Listen, God uses the natural to do the supernatural. She went to work that day. She had no clue what she was going to do or where she was going, but God knew and God was guiding her. And I want you to see, she didn't hear a voice from heaven. There was no burning bush. But what we see here is just in ordinary, everyday life, she's going out looking for a job. God showed up. Faith without works is dead. Not only did they say go, but glean. Now, gleaning is from the Old Testament, twice in Leviticus, once in Deuteronomy here, 24. It's kind of like the food bank or the soup kitchen in the Old Testament. When you reap the harvest in your field and you forget a sheaf in the field, do not go back to get it. It's to be left for the resident alien, for the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. This was God's way of taking care of widows and foreigners and God's way of taking care of orphans and those in need. Now, Ruth's a young believer. In chapter one, she just put her faith in the one true and living God. Now she's reading her Bible. She, maybe Naomi said, just start in, in the first of the Bible, you know, just read those first for a few books, and she reads in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus that she can go out and glean in the field, and that that's the way God's going to provide for her. Don't you love the excitement of a new believer? I was talking to somebody yesterday of their friend about their friend who got baptized on day twenty-one of twenty-one days of prayer, and 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 they just said, "Man, she is on fire for God," and I love it the the enthusiasm of a young believer. And some of us today we need to get back to our first love. You know, I think about, I ask people, how'd you find liberty? Number one answer, a friend invited me. How did Ruth find the living God? Naomi invited her. Yep. Number two, online. Thank God for online ministry. And then number three, magnets, car magnets. And if you lost yours in the car wash, you need to get a new magnet today and get it on your car, all right? And they'll follow you to liberty. But, but here it is. It says right here that Boaz is a man of standing, a man of standing. He's an honorable man. So to all the single ladies, to all the single ladies, all the single ladies, little Beyonce right there, yeah. You probably didn't recognize it, but anyway. um, To all the single ladies, that's what you're looking for, a man of standing. You're looking for a man who has a good reputation. You're looking for a man who has a job and owns a field, amen. You're looking for Boaz. Now, don't be offended by what I'm about to say. I like to laugh and cut up and have a good time, and I got a point in what I'm about to say. I heard a preacher years ago say this. Single ladies, you don't want lazy as. You don't want dumb as. You don't need broke as. You need a Boaz. (laughs) Oh, now everybody relax. I said it slowly so I wouldn't mess up. (laughs) And I believe it's all right to laugh in church. In fact, I believe Christians ought to have more fun going to heaven than the world is going to hell. And so I was with somebody uh, recently, and here's what they said to me. It's so good to see you. I have not laughed this much in years. I'm saying laughter is good for the soul. And sometimes you just got to laugh at life, laugh at yourself. But I'm serious about making a point here. And that is Ruth found Boaz when she got away from Moab. If you want the right people in your life, you got to get the wrong people out of your life. 
I am saying, it, it, listen, if you want to marry the right person, you got to break up with the wrong person you're dating right now. I'm just trying to be practical. What one decision could you make that would change the trajectory of your life and legacy? And I, before I get too hard on lazy and dumb and broke, <laughs> I just want y'all to know when Miss Tammy married me, I was broke as. <laughs> yeah. We were both in college. I had to have a penny hardly in my name. I saved the money to buy the ring. I saved a few hundred dollars to go on the honeymoon. We came home with 20 bucks in our pocket. That's it. Barely enough to get gas to get back home. Oh, but you can live on love. Amen. All right. So you might need to give broke another chance. I'm just saying. Oh, well, let's look at the second thing here. Number two, the providence. The providence. Look at verse three. So she went out, entered a field. Began to glean behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, some of your Bible translations will say, and it just so happened. I love it. It just so happened. She's working in the field that belonged to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. And so we read here about the providence of God. Now, she had no clue where she was going that day to work. But when you work, God's at work. And I want you to know that big doors of opportunity swing on small hinges called obedience. And God opened the door for her. It just so happened. It just so happened that there was a famine in the land. It just so happened that an Israelite family got out of the will of God. But it just so happened that a Moabite heard the gospel. See, God could take even bad and turn it in for good. It just so happened she came back single. It just so happened she went to work in a field of a man who was single who happened to be a kinsman's redeemer. Oh, listen. Life is not happenstance, it's providence. I'm telling you, it's not coincidence, it's providence. You see it in the story of Ruth, you see it in the story of Esther, you see it in the story of Jonah, you see it in the story of Joseph. Joseph was hated by his brothers. They throw him in a pit to kill him. That's bad. But an Israelite caravan came along and saved his life. That's good. But then they sold him into slavery to a man named Potiphar. That's bad. But Potiphar put him in charge of everything in his household. That's good. But Potiphar was married to a woman who tried to seduce Joseph. And when he wouldn't cooperate, threw him in prison, lied and had him put in prison. That's bad. But it wasn't that bad because the warden put Joseph in charge of everything and God gave him success in everything that he did. And that's good. And it was by being in prison he met the uh, uh, cupbearer and the baker that was all good, but then they forgot him for two years, and that's bad. But not that bad, because Pharaoh had a dream two years later that nobody could interpret, and they remembered Joseph, and that was good. Listen, all things, everybody say all things. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I'm telling you, when it looked like Joseph was going down, he was really going up. He went down into the pit, down into Egypt, down into prison. But God used all three to lift him up. And I'm telling you, you can't see it at the time. It usually won't happen the way that you want it to happen. But I am saying to you today, listen, God will use all the down times in your life to lift you up. Listen, when you least expect it, God will show up and lift you up to get you where you need to be. The third thing, y'all not listening fast enough, the prayer. The prayer, look at, we're just in verse four. Come on. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. He greeted the harvesters. He said, the Lord be with you. And they answer, what? The Lord bless you. What a place to work. 
Man, that's awesome. And so he prays for his workers, employers. Pray for your employees. Pray for your business. Look at how he greets them. Now, five times in the New Testament, it tells us to greet one another in the church with a holy kiss. It's in the Bible. Go read it for yourself. Five times. I could see some of the singles right now saying, we need to be more biblical around here, I, you know. <laughs> but around the world, greetings are important. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Look at it. In Tibet, they stick out their tongue to greet. All right? I'm not telling you you ought to do that. Philippines, all right, in the Philippines, they take the back of your hand and touch the, the forward of your head. In Japan, they uh, will bow from the waist. Uh, in Thailand, you, you put your hands together like you're praying and nod your head. And in Europe, and in, in France, and England, and New York, and people with money and means, they did the little on each cheek, the double kiss. Now, there are other places in the world where it happens, the Middle East. When we go to Israel, there's an older man. He's in his 80s named King George. He's a Palestinian Christian. He always greets me by kissing me on the forehead and on each cheek. And when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. You know, I just, I go with it. You go with it. He's one of the few men I let kiss me, all right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> greeting's important. And the point I'm trying to make is this. We ought to greet one another and say goodbye to one another like we're doing it for the last time. Because one day it will be. Yesterday, I was going out to a funeral visitation and Taylor and his family had just arrived at the house. They just dropped in to see us. And I mean, I didn't get to talk to them 10 minutes and then I had to leave and I felt bad. So I went over and I hugged Megan and, and uh, Caitlin and Colton and Taylor and I headed toward the door. And Caitlin said, gee, daddy, you forgot to hug Nanny and Chi-Chi. I said, I live with them. <laughs> oh, but Miss Tammy, I'll tell you, most every time I leave or I arrive back, I kiss her. I, I greet her because one day it's going to be for the last time. And so it's important the way that we greet. Now look at verse 5. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? I didn't see a ring. Hello. The overseer replied, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field, has remained here from morning till now except for a short rest in the shelter. And so we read here, so many prayers, so many greetings. Uh, I just told you about uh, Boaz and his prayer for, for the people and his greeting in the morning. But Naomi prayed in chapter one last week. First of all, don't you know if your husband's sick and at the point of death, she prayed it for her husband to live? Don't you know if she's a mom and has two sons that are sick at the point of death, she prayed for those boys to live? And in chapter one, verse eight, she prayed that God would be kind and that Ruth would find a husband. Now listen, God answers prayers. He didn't answer the first two prayers of Naomi, but he answered this prayer for Ruth. And Boaz is praying for his workers. He's not a priest. He's not a prophet. He's a businessman. And I want you to know, God will use businessmen and women in the workplace to shine the light. Like I said, pray for your business. Pray for uh, your employees. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to be in full-time ministry. 
Every member should be in ministry. See, businessmen and women have a calling just like a pastor has a calling. And God's only got one plan of getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. Plan A, there is no plan B. It's called the local church. And you got to figure out as a businessman and woman how you fit into that plan and how God wants to use you. The Bible says in Colossians 1.16, listen, we're made by God for God. By God for God. Everybody say that with me. By God for God. And so you got to know you're what for. You got to know why you're here. And how's God going to use you and your work? Look at the way he talked. Boaz talks to the workers. I mean, working for Boaz was like working for Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Boaz, the Lord bless you. I can just see the owner-operator of every Chick-fil-A going in and saying, the Lord bless you for coming to work today. And all of the workers at Chick-fil-A say, it's our pleasure. <laughs> you know, I, I believe we can change the climate and culture of the workplace. Now listen, notice the first encounter that Boaz has with Ruth. He's talking about the Lord. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. When you're dating somebody, you want to find somebody who talks about God early and often. If they don't talk about the Lord, they're not the right person. Miss Tammy was always talking about the Lord, talking about her daily Bible reading and what she got out of it. And, and I knew, listen, I knew her love for God, and, and I wanted to have a verse-by-verse Bible study with her. Probably in the book of Proverbs and Song of Solomon. Amen. So, but she loved the Lord, and it was, it was obvious. And that's what you're looking for when you're dating. You're looking for a mate. Now, Ruth is a Moabite. Stay with me. She doesn't have a good past. See, Moabites were conceived through the incest of Lot and his daughter. They worship their own God. Ruth is a widow. She's not a virgin. She's homeless. She's destitute. Uh, we see here that she comes with baggage. Everybody say baggage. She comes with a bitter, grumpy old mother-in-law from her first husband. You get Ruth. You, you, listen, when you get married, it's because you like one song on the album, but you get the whole album. Ruth has a complicated past. Maybe you're following along online. You just need to type in right now. Complicated, complicated, complicated past. But hear me, she did not let her past determine her future. And I'm saying to you today, it doesn't matter how old you are. It does not matter where you've been. God, whoo, he can turn things around quickly. Now, to all the single guys, let me say a word for you. You're looking for the perfect woman. She doesn't exist. There was only one, and I married her. <laughs> but there are some qualities that you ought to look for, and that is you want somebody that loves God. Ruth was faithful to God. She put her trust in the one true and living God. That's what you're looking for. Number two, she was loyal. She cared for Naomi. Watch how they care for other people. That'll tell you a lot about that person. And then she's a hard worker. She takes initiative. And notice Boaz is first attracted to her character, not her dress. He comes in. She's been working in a hot field all day long. Have you worked outside in the yard all day long? Have you worked in a garden in the heat of the day all day long? She's she not looking her best. But he's attracted to her character. Ladies, there's a difference between dressing attractively and seductively. 
And, and guys, listen, you want to look for more than outer beauty. You need to look for the inward heart as well. Boaz is praying for Ruth to be blessed. And you know what? He's soon going to find out he's the answer to that prayer. And in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said, you pray because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers. If you pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send out workers into the field. And then the next verse, he sent the 12 out into the field. They were the answer to their own prayer. Pray and watch how God uses you to answer prayer. Oh, here's another one. The protection. Just two more things I want you to see. Look at it, Ruth 2. You still awake? Say amen. amen. All right, here we go. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go. <laughs> I love that. And glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay. Everybody say stay. Stay here with the woman, the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men have are harvesting, follow among after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. Look at that protection. I've told the men don't lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Let me tell you, you work in the field, you're gonna be thirsty. And we are out in the harvest, in the mission field. And all around us, there's a lot of thirsty people. And we've got the living water. Give them a drink. Here it is, verse 10. At this, she bowed down her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you have taken notice of me, a foreigner? Notice the humility, the thankfulness. Humility and thankfulness sleep in the same bed. I'm just telling you, she did not say, hey, I have been reading in the book of Deuteronomy and you have to let me, I've got my rights. And I get to glean in your field whether you like it or not. She didn't try that approach. And you're not going to get far with a mindset of entitlement. I'm just telling you, she didn't say, you know, back in Moab, I was a hard worker and I was in upper management and I expect to work my way up in your organization real soon. She probably wouldn't be married to Boaz. No, she said, it's a privilege to work for you. And I just want you to know, at every door, you can't see it, but on the other side of the door, going on the stage at every campus, it says this. It's a privilege to be on this stage. Thank you, God, for choosing me. And I tell you, that will be the heart of every child of God. Uh, the favor that God has shown us. Are y'all getting anything out of this sermon? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland. You came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. Don't miss that. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she goes back into it again. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. She said, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have standing. Now remember that when we get to the end of the message. Though I do not have standing, the standing of one of your servants. I want you to see here several things. One day, everything that we have done, that's what it says right here, everything we've done is gonna be reported at the judgment. And Jesus said, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to each one according to what they have done. And then it says right here that she had found safety, refuge, protection under the wings of God. 
Let me just tell you, the Bible has a lot to say about the shadow of his wings, the protection of God. Take refuge in Jesus. Back in 1988, Yellowstone was on fire and had been devastated by forest fires. And Tammy and I, we were in Wyoming doing a mission trip. Taylor had just turned two. Lindsay Beth was a newborn. She was just a few months old. We stayed in this little church plant, this pioneer church, in the nursery. And the kids slept in the, the baby beds in the nursery. And during the daytime, uh, our men, they worked putting up sheetrock to build a sanctuary, a worship center for that little church. And I preached a revival every night. And when we finished up that week, we wanted to go to Yellowstone because we were close. We went. We didn't see much. It, it was just smoke. It was on fire. But later when I got back, I read that a ranger was walking through what uh, had been devastated by the fire, and he saw this bird standing like a statue, burnt to a crisp. He took his shoe, and he just kicked over the dead bird, the caucus, and under it, under the wings, to his amazement, five little birds started running alive. And I'm telling you, Jesus said, that's what I'll do for you. Listen, he protects us from the fire. He protects us from the storm. I mean, he took all of that on the cross to protect us. He run to Jesus. He's our refuge. And I don't care what you're going through today. If Jesus is your refuge, you will come out alive. Put your hands together and praise God. Now, I want you to see here, it's so important, this last point. The provision. Verse 14, at Mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here. <laughs> Have some bread and dip in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some of the roasted grain. She ate all she wanted. Let me tell you, God's got all that you need and more. And then she had some left over. Leftovers are in the Bible. She's gonna take it home to Naomi because she knows Naomi's hungry at home. She got up to glean. Boaz gave orders to the men. Let her gather among the sheaves. Don't reprimand her. Even pull out some of the stalks from the bundles. The next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, and Mahomes made it back. And he's on every commercial about bundling, home and auto. Mahomes and my auto. Bundling's right here in the Bible, all right? Pull out from the bundles. Leave it for her to pick up. It's like hiding Easter eggs so that the children can find them, all right? And do not rebuke her. Oh, I love this story here. Uh, let me say, ladies, the kind of man you're looking for is one who loves Jesus and has a job. He will talk to you. Boaz talked to her. Boaz invited her out to eat. Huge. You want a man who will take you out to eat, and he'll pay for it. Now, guys, listen to me. You don't take somebody out and go Dutch. You go Christian. Be a gentleman. Open the door for her. Talk to her. And you be generous. And you pay for it. Notice he's the boss, but he's serving her. You want a man who will love you, honor you, respect you, admire you, and will serve you. I bring Miss Tammy coffee every morning. Every, is that true, baby? Every morning. Because I want to serve her. I'm just telling you, you honor her. You find ways to do that. And, and I would say to you, uh, Boaz is giving out of his plenty. Ruth, she's taking home to Naomi out of her need. She didn't have much. 
But she takes the, the leftovers there. And, and one of the things that's important is this. Boaz not only is winning over Ruth, he's winning over Naomi. Now you send her plenty home to give her mother-in-law. If you really want to win this girl, you better win her mama. You got to get the mother-in-law. Tammy's mom, before we ever dated, said this to her. I was preaching. I, I was single and at my first church. She said, Tammy, you need to go out with him. He's a little Charles Stanley. <laughs> See, I'd want her mother over before I want Tammy over. All right? Practical things you're getting out of this sermon. All right, here we go. Verse 18. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. And her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Oh, she, let me tell you, she had been with Boaz and Naomi knew it. When you've been with Jesus, people at work will know it. They'll know it. Here it is. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz. The Lord bless him, Naomi said. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsman's redeemer, guardian redeemer. You'll find out more about that when we get to chapter three. But let me just end by saying this. Boaz is a picture of Christ. And we are all Ruth. Separated from God. Can't get there on our own. Hurting, destitute, empty-handed. But remember, it said she did not have standing. You remember that? You remember I said remember? Oh, but what did it say about Boaz? He's a man of standing. When we didn't have standing, are you listening? Jesus is our man of standing. Jesus did for us what we cannot do. Live the life that we cannot live. Died on the cross to redeem us, to be our kinsman, redeemer. And that's why when you're in Christ, you're standing on Christ the solid rock. When you're in Christ, he's your refuge. You're standing on the promises of God. I think about Boaz. What he really did for Ruth, listen, is what his dad did for his mother. You remember the spies, 12 spies are going out and you remember how they get uh, to Jericho and you remember the spies that were protected by Rahab and you know the story well. Rahab, the prostitute, hid them, protected them and God adopted Rahab into his family. She became a believer and there's a man named Salmon. Now the fish is called salmon but it really is salmon in the Bible, okay, with the L. So don't just think, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a man's name. Salmon married Rahab, the prostitute. And they have a son. You know what his name is? Boaz. And Boaz does for Ruth what his dad did for his mother. You see, Boaz understood grace. And Boaz invites Ruth to his table. He said, take of the bread, dip it in the wine. And Jesus, listen, Jesus invites us to his table. The bread represents his broken body on the cross. And the blood represents, 
The wine represents his blood that was shed for us. He invites us to his table today. So if you're hurting, if you're stuck, if you feel like you're in a hopeless situation, remember, God can turn the page, give you a new chapter, bring you out of whatever hopeless situation you're in. But you got to do what Ruth did. you got to leave Moab and put your faith and trust in the one living God. Bow with me for prayer. Maybe today some of you need to pray a prayer similar to this. Just say, God, I'm like Ruth. I know I'm separated from you. I know I can't save myself. I have broken your standards. But Jesus, I understand that you are my Boaz. You're my redeemer. And you did for me on the cross what I could not do for myself. Thank you that your body was beaten, broken, that your blood was shed so I could be forgiven and adopted into the family of God. I ask that you forgive me of all of my sins. I repent, I turn from Moab, and I put my trust in the living God. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a new beginning, a new chapter. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, rejoice with those who prayed that prayer online or in person. It's a new chapter, a new beginning. We've got a new connection card. It's blue. And I'd ask you to fill it out if you're at our campuses. Take your next step. Put it in the basket as you leave or just take it out to the Next Step Center. If you're tracking online, Just connect with us by texting the word YES to 40371 and take your next step, whatever that is, in this new journey, a new beginning. I want you to stand. Everybody stand. I want to pray for you today. And as always, the altar will be open. At our campuses, you can come and pray. And online, you make that very place. Wherever you are, an altar of prayer. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for the story of Ruth. And I thank you for how it speaks to us today. And just like she just so happened to arrive in the field of Boaz, I thank you that people just so happened to hear this message today and be in church. And it's a timely word for their life and what they're going through. And I just pray right now, God, I'm praying that you would work all things, even the bad things, work all things together for good and for your glory. And I'm praying right now for singles that, Lord, they would actively be on mission for you, that you take the wrong people out of their lives, bring the right people into their lives. I pray, Lord, for marriages today that are stuck in a hard season. They're stuck in Moab. And, God, I pray that you would just give them a new chapter, a new beginning. I pray you forgive us where we do not talk kindly to our mate or honor them or protect them. I pray for every husband to protect his wife. I pray for every father to protect uh, his children. I pray for every brother to protect his sister. God, I just pray that you would work in marriages. And I pray for employees and employers in the workplace. Lord, help us to shine the light brightly. I pray we'll be inviting people this week that every member would know they have a ministry And that, God, you would let us see on Super Bowl Sunday coaches and teams and parents and grandparents come and hear about the one true and living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And I pray that they'll put their faith and trust in Jesus. Hear our prayers as we call on you in Jesus' name. Amen.